0: They want to talk to you. They want to know you. They want you to know who they are. Be an open learner. The more you get to know your talent, the more talent will want to work with you.
1: That's my guest, Bev K. Bev is talking about some of the simple but powerful things that she advises managers to do in order to attract and retain people on their teams. As informal people managers, ERG leaders can easily apply the advice she offers to attract and retain group members while continuing to develop and grow more leadership skills. All this coming up, but first, let's take a moment to reflect on the mission of this podcast and to recognize our sponsors. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors, Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avanade, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program in this first part of this episode of erg power talk we are going to explore some of the best practices that any formal or informal group manager such as an erg leader can use to attract develop and engage people our guide on this journey is recognized internationally as a professional dedicated to helping individuals, managers, and organizations to understand the practical how-to principles of employee development, engagement, and retention. Her work of the past four decades has been recognized with Lifetime Achievement and Thought Leadership Awards. In addition to being a speaker, she is also the author of several books for managers, including "Love 'Em or Lose 'Em." help them grow or watch them go. Hello, stay interviews, goodbye talent loss. And up is not the only way.
0: Hi everybody, I'm Bev Kay, and uh, I'm lucky I have a short name cause it's easy to remember. And I call myself a guide on the side and a sage on the stage.
1: Hi Bev, welcome to ERG Power Talk. I love those little taglines which I know you call cutisms. I personally can't think of any quippy things like that right now but give me some time. So Bev, you've been a leader in helping managers retain their best people for many years now but for those of my listeners who may not for some reason know who you are, I would like to start with a little background.
0: My background is It's too long a story, but I do have a doctorate from UCLA. I did fail my doctoral orals three times because my committee wanted me to do phenomenological research, and I was a doer, not a studier of phenomena, so they pushed me to develop my own theory. And It it was that experience of them saying, this can't be your theory, start again. That pushed me to invent what I've been doing for the last really 40 years. So to, to make a long story short, I founded a company based on the work I did at UCLA that I grew and grew for 40 years And sold two years ago to two of my employees.
1: (laughs) That's great. Bev, not bad for someone who clearly was a contrarian in college. So, when we spoke a while ago, you mentioned three things that you are super passionate about. Can you share those with our listeners?
0: I'm passionate about career development, passionate about employee engagement, and passionate about helping organizations retain their key players.
1: So those are your three big driving pillars, which are focused on some topics that are really important to all managers and executives at any level. And in seeking to support managers in this work, you were telling me how you follow what I'm going to call a 4D strategy or a 4D goal. Can you share that with us?
0: I like to say that everything I do is deceptively simple meaning there's theory behind it but any manager or employee hearing me talk or reading something i've written says that's not so hard i can do that delightfully engaging like me i like to think of myself as being (laughs) delightfully engaging uh deliberately flexible like what I've learned over the years is can you do it in 10 minutes as well as can you do it in 10 hours and finally decidedly business centric because there's got to be a business connect between what I teach and do
1: got it so Bev you've been doing this for four decades During that time, a lot has evolved in the people management space. And yet, when I heard you speak about three or four years ago, everything you spoke about was spot on and up to date. What's your approach for keeping ahead of that curve and continuing to evolve and learn?
0: So um, I am also a continual learner. So from every Zoom call I am now, from everything, I get great ideas. And where I make my husband crazy is they often come in the middle of the night. So I have a pad next to me and I start to scribble. Then he yells at me for waking him up with my scribbling. So I'm trying every way to scribble lightly. (laughs) Um, And reading in the morning what I scribbled at night is not easy but um, I I love the world of ideas and I love working with other people, you know, who I could um, ideate with. So Joe, it's been great to meet you. Um, I think you're one of those ideate people too.
1: Thank you, Bev. You know, as you were telling your story, I was thinking about how I use my iPhone's note app to take notes. And my wife complains sometimes about how the phone light wakes her up. So I guess you're going to have to scribble lightly, and I need to turn the backlight off and the clicking off and do things very, very quietly. And those are the things we do for love, right? But speaking of love, why did you pick the word love for the title of your book? I recall you telling me a story about how your publisher actually challenged you on that word choice. Tell us about that.
0: I love my publisher. I would only publish With them, Barrett Kohler. And the publisher very smartly said, do you need the word love in the cover? Do you need to use that word? And fought us uh, on the word because he said, well, will men buy a book with love in the cover? And we tried to find another word that stood for what we were talking about. And there was no other word that said, listen to them, thank them, smile at them, ask them how they, I mean, all those different things that love means. And so we insisted it had to be love. And the back of the book says, you love them, even if you don't use that word. So they are your talent. They are what makes you or breaks you. They are critical to you. And you don't have to use that word, but boy, you want them to stay.
1: Great point. And clearly, men and women did buy the book, right? I think you mentioned that so far you've sold about 800,000 copies. You're up to a fifth edition, and you have a sixth edition that's coming up And. uh in uh, next year in 2021. So I would say the word love in the title did not impede your sales. So in all your years in this business, what's the number one reason that you found for managers losing their best people?
0: The answer to what has people leave is they think their manager does not value them or does not see their value.
1: So there's no mystery there. And so, Bev, if I asked you what are the top five things that a manager can do to show that love, what would you say? What is it that these employees, team members want?
0: I would say conversations times five. (laughs) I would say they want to talk to you. They want to know you. They want you to know who they are. They want you to ask them questions like, you know, with the recent um, terrible happening in, in Minnesota, we need to ask them, how are you doing?
1: Got it. And I would imagine this is not something you're advising them to do only when something of the magnitude of what happened recently happens, right?
0: It should be all the time. How are you doing? What can I do more of or less of? Or what should I continue doing to support you? Because I don't want to lose you. You're precious to me. You know, in the Love'em book, we coined the word stay interview. Why do we ask people, what can I do to keep you on the exit interview?
1: Yep, that's a great point. You know, the exit interview is similar to the old joke about closing the barn doors after all the horses have run away. In addition to learning more about their team members by asking questions, it's also powerful when leaders share their own stories, isn't it? You you shared a story uh, about this with me regarding a discussion session that you ran about a week ago. Can you share that with our listeners?
0: Last week on Friday, I'm working with a a client, a big, big fortune, probably 50 organization. Working in one of the areas about careers um, where the people are, the employees are really super smart. And um, they wanted to learn how to manage their careers, and we did a panel with three of their leaders and 50 of them listening in, and I asked the leaders some very pointed questions about their own careers. And they answered amazingly, authentically. And when it was over, I said to the three leaders, have you ever talked about what you talked about here with your employees? And they said no, maybe here or there, but never around those questions. They were interesting questions, but what, what struck me is they said to each other, I never knew that about you. At the senior leadership positions in this organization, So what it says to me is you all aren't talking about things, let alone talking to your people. So it was a phenomenal success. Partly it was the authenticity of how each leader answered that their people now heard. So if we could do more of that, It's humanizing the workplace is what it really is.
1: Absolutely. And humanizing is the perfect word. So Bev, what gets in the way of managers doing these simple things that create that kind of humanized, loving relationship that make their top people want to stay? I think you have some personal experience with this type of challenge yourself that you've shared with me, and I'd love for you to share it with our listeners.
0: I'm married to a rocket scientist and technical training, MIT, PhD. I watched through him how hard it was to have those kinds of conversations. Put an equation in front of him with a direct report and voila, the conversation flows. Put the question, what matters to you? You know, what can I do to keep you? and the fear is they'll answer and I won't know what to say next.
1: That makes sense. So you've had a ringside seat to the challenge. And even though most managers and executive leaders are not rocket scientists, they're essentially trained in a similar hard science sort of way. Accounting, marketing, HR even, computer science for sure, et cetera. None of these disciplines equips people to be communicative, right? Uh, Open and expressive. And yet that's what it takes to be a good people manager. So you have to learn to make that effort as leaders and managers to add those human skills Uh, to the toolkit. So Bev, I often see so many books on management from a variety of authors that talk about everything, but Inclusion, even in their most recent editions. You also see this omission in studies and reports on culture and good management practices that are published by research organizations in the HR space. You, however, chose to make sure that your upcoming edition, the sixth edition of Love 'em or Lose 'em, has a very solid inclusion thread woven throughout it. What made you do that?
0: It was an insight that my co author and I had about how connected engagement and inclusion are. Like I cannot be engaged if I don't feel included, period.
1: Absolutely. As you said before, that statement is deceptively simple and yet often missed by so many mainstream writers in the HR space and in other areas of uh, management writing. So when you presented this to your publisher, what was his reaction?
0: My publisher, Steve Prisante, said, I want to see that threaded throughout the book. Um, How engagement and inclusion are inextricably connected.
1: That's great. And you told me he became a real driver for you and your co-author, right? Uh, Share with our listeners what you told me he did when he read your first manuscript
0: if he saw that we had one chapter that didn't make the connect, he hit us with it and said, I don't see the connect here. And we said, well, it's between the lines. No, make it explicit. He pushed us uh, and he looked for it. And it, it was always there, but sometimes it was too hidden. And so we made it a... Uh, uh,
1: Uh, explicit. I love the way you said that, Bev. You made it explicit. I think that's what's often missing. I've read lots of books about managing people where because of my background in this topic, I can read between those lines and see where it's implicit that you have to be inclusive if you want to say, have people trust you and follow your leadership. But to someone who does not have that background, that implicit message can get lost. So it makes absolute sense to make it absolutely clear that inclusion should be in the mix. It has to be made explicit. So bravo to your publisher for doing that. So what did we learn in this first half of this episode? One, the skills needed to effectively attract, engage, and get the most out of people on your team are not rocket science, but if you were trained solely in the hard sciences of math, technology, or other departmental disciplines, you may need to invest some time and effort learning these human connection skills. Two, People will leave you or your group if they feel like you are not listening to them. Showing that you listen is a key to engaging the people you have and attracting more people into your group. And finally, three, to keep your group and committee members engaged, you need to, in a word, show them love. And by love, I mean showing them that you care by listening and sharing your own humanness. Coming up, we will talk more about how you can become a better informal manager, drive value to formal managers and leaders, and how you can leverage and build on your experience as an informal leader to grow your career. All this when we return, but first, let's take a moment again to revisit the mission of this program and to recognize the leading companies that make the program possible. I'll see you on the other side. This is ERG Power Talk, and I'm your host, Joe Santana. The purpose of ERG Power Talk is to provide a forum for the exchange of great ideas and inspiration for ERG leaders, as well as others that are interested in supporting ERGs. No more waiting until the next conference and praying that you have the budget to travel to the conference in order to find great ideas and find stimulation toward action. Just subscribe and listen at your convenience. Before we begin, a quick note of thanks to our supporters and sponsors, Atrium Health, Freighter Health and Wisconsin Medical College, Mass Mutual, Lockheed Martin, Avanade, Daimler Trucks North America, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. Now, let's go straight to the program. And we're back. In the second half of our interview, Bev is going to talk about the value formal group managers can get out of partnering with ERG leaders like you that are on their teams or other parts of the company, as well as how easy it is to form those partnerships. Next, we're going to take a look at how you can leverage your role as an informal manager leading an ERG to develop yourself. And finally, we're gonna talk a bit about how you can use one of Bev's books to develop your own people leadership skills. The key thing for you to continue to keep in mind as you listen to the second part of the interview is that as informal managers, you can also benefit by applying some of the advice that she directs towards formal leaders and managers in your organization. So with that in mind, let's rejoin Bev. (sighs) Bev when I first approached you about doing this interview the first thing you said to me was I'm not an ERG expert and I said you don't have to be an ERG expert I just think your experience directly coaching managers and leaders has a lot of value for ERG leaders in a variety of ways but as we got to talking more it turns out you were being a little bit overly modest you actually have had quite a bit of exposure and experience working with ERGs. Can you share that with us?
0: I have worked with ERGs my entire career. When I wanted to introduce my career development work across an organization, I would go to the ERGs first and show them how careers worked. And how to talk with their managers about careers, and if they were managers, how to talk to their people, and that's how the word spread. And one ERG said, "I want what that are, you're doing with that ERG," and then and then it became, "Well, why can't we do this for everybody?"
1: Yep, yeah, that sounds like the way that most practices make their way from one ERG to another ERG. So. You've been leveraging ERGs and client organizations for quite a number of years now, while some managers have never engaged the ERGs right in their organizations. And there are actually some managers that think that these ERGs are a distraction from what they consider to be the real work in their departments. And you shared with me a question that you asked these managers to consider. Can you share that again with us?
0: Are you opportunity minded or are you opportunity blinded? Because there are people who walk around their organizations with big blinders on. And I think some people come out of a scarcity mentality, not an abundance mentality.
1: Yes, that's an unfortunate but common condition. To see everything like a finite pie, where if a slice of time or energy goes to one thing, then the person sees it as taking time away from something else, as opposed to the person who has that abundance mentality that you're talking about, who sees these efforts as expanding the pie of opportunity for everyone, including themselves. So, Bev, what would be your delightfully simple advice to managers who want to learn How many of their team members are leaders or members of ERGs so they can begin to plug into these resources and leverage them?
0: So I would say to managers, ask, are you in an ERG? Which one? How's it working for you? Um, And maybe get yourself invited to a couple of ERGs.
1: Well, that was pretty delightfully simple advice, Bev. So what would you say would that manager look for in that meeting? What would they be looking to get out of it?
0: Learning. If you have the attitude, what can I learn from this person? Most managers have the attitude, what can they learn from me? Because I know so much. But what can you learn from them? Be an open learner.
1: Yes, and so the more leaders learn through exposure, the more they gain a deeper understanding of the people around them. And I believe that's what you see as a quality that makes a leader a talent magnet.
0: So the more you get to know your talent, here it is, the more talent will want to work with you. The more the word will go out that you are a development-focused leader, people will knock on your door.
1: I totally agree with that. And so far, everything you've said about the value of these formal managers and leaders connecting with people in their groups and learning about people in their groups, that also applies to ERG leaders, right? They're basically, in effect, informal group leaders that also need to be opportunity-minded and seen as development leaders in order to attract talented people into their groups and making those talented people want to stay. So Bev, we opened this small segment of our discussion talking about how formal group managers and leaders can reach out and connect with ERG leaders. Before we close out this segment, how can ERG leaders that are listening to this initiate that connection themselves with formal group managers and leaders? Should they wait until that leader or manager puts a sign out on their door that says, I'm open to meeting with ERG leaders. What do you say?
0: Many leaders are open to an ERG leader knocking on their door, but don't have a sign that says, come knock. You know, the ERG leader has to initiate it. And when you initiate, you know, a talk like that, think about the what's in it for that manager in his own work group, you know, as well as what you can learn from that manager. But I think people are, you know, I think open to good conversations more now than ever. And maybe COVID and uh, you know, what's happened in in Minnesota, it happens again and again, is opening us up more to say, tell me more.
1: That's a great point. Clearly now is when that iron is hot, right? So now is a good time for ERG group leaders to reach out to team managers and invite them to have those conversations. So, Let me switch gears here and let's focus on ERG leaders themselves. As group leaders, they can be viewed as informal managers of people. Some of them, in fact, manage group committees and so forth around specific events uh, or specific efforts. And yet, I sometimes don't see them leveraging that experience in their career or learning from it. What's your advice to them as ERG group managers?
0: You know, there's a great quote by T.S. Eliot that goes, the sad thing is to have the experience and miss the meaning. And I think we run from experience to experience and we really do not stop to say, so what did I learn from that? What did it mean to me?
1: Yes. You know, Bev, so many companies have a person that acts as a managing coordinator between the different ERG leaders. And generally, these managing coordinators want to help develop their ERG leaders and support them in their personal career development. What's your advice to them? What would you do with the ERG leaders if you were in that managing coordinator position?
0: I'd want to debrief The ERG leaders about what they're learning from leading an ERG group. Because I think too often we move from a learning experience back into the world and we don't stop and say, What did I just learn from that? You know, what would I do differently, etc.
1: Yes, and along the lines of that last part, where you said, what would I do differently? That's where we position ourselves to continued growth, right? So what are some specific questions that uh, can be asked here to support this type of learning and growth exercise?
0: The questions are like, what would you have done differently if you could? Who would have handled the group differently? What would they have done? What opportunity went right by you because there was too much to talk about? You know, um, those kinds of questions are critical because everything is a learning experience if we unpack it.
1: Absolutely. So we are getting towards the end of our time together, Bev. And I wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about your book, which I think can be as good a tool for ERG community group leaders as it is for organizational group leaders and group managers. Now, we mentioned earlier that a new version with the inclusion thread explicitly woven throughout the whole book will be out in 2021. But you don't think our listeners have to wait that long, do you?
0: The current book, Love Him or Lose Him, has really everything in it already, um, except for this thread being woven through. And, you know, we worked on it. It's been out for five years. So we've gotten a lot more ideas in those five years that are pumped into the sixth edition. But if anybody out there in your audience even has edition one, it's the same 26 letters of the alphabet standing for the same things.
1: Got it. So if someone has an earlier published copy or can get their hands on one from, say, a local library, it sounds like they can get a a great deal of value by reading that instead of waiting until 2021. Now, there are probably some listeners, especially some of the manager coordinators that I mentioned earlier, who are listening to this and wondering if they can use the book to conduct a management training program. But. 26 pieces of advice seems like a lot, right? Is there a way to organize the 328 pages of your book with those 26 pieces of distinct advice into a more manageable training program?
0: When we looked at the 26 chapters, we thought, how could anybody teach this training? You know, it's too many. and the first edition, of course, came out when we were still doing face-to-face training. But we, we looked at all the chapters, and we divided them into three clusters. And we said a talent-focused leader will pay attention to the growth and development of their people, number one. Number two, we said a talent-focused leader will have a style that breeds loyalty, you know, that people want to come and work with. And a talent-focused leader will develop an environment or a culture that people look forward to going to. So all the letters fit into one of those big categories.
1: That's great. So essentially, these manager coordinators can break it down to Three sessions around one, how the ERG leader can promote the growth of their members, two, how the ERG leader can develop a style that makes them approachable and welcoming to members, allies, etc. And three, how the ERG leader can develop and support a group environment or culture that ties all these things together. So let me ask you this. What's your advice for the manager coordinators of ERG leaders who say, wow, I wish I could have known about this before everyone had to start working remotely due to COVID-19. Is having the workforce working remotely a non-starter for this type of training, Bev, or is it doable over platforms like WebEx, Teams, Zoom, etc.? I just finished
0: an article Titled Staying Connected While Working Apart. And and it takes every, uh, our book is written according to the alphabet, A through Z. It takes every letter and says, here is a remote conversation you can have with any of your employees about this principle. And the 26 letters are really principles of inclusion. As well as they are of engagement.
1: That's great. So Bev, are you open to having some of my listeners reach out to you? And if so, what's the name of your website?
0: So absolutely. And uh, Bev K and Company.
1: Got it. And what's the best email address where they can reach you?
0: It's Bev at BevK.com.
1: Perfect. Well, thank you, Bev. It's been a pleasure having you on ERG Power Talk.
0: You are welcome. (laughs)
1: ta cha <laughs> Ta-ta. So here's my take on some of the things I would like you to take away from the second half of this program. One, as informal group managers, you, just like formal group managers, can secure more opportunities by being opportunity-minded instead of opportunity-blinded. Two, Managers, whether formal or like yourselves informal, can benefit the most by focusing on learning when you talk to people instead of assuming that you're always there to teach. Three, as an informal ERG group manager, you can bring value to your company's formal team managers, but don't wait for them to come to you or hang a I welcome talking to ERG leaders sign on their door before approaching them. Some of them, who are more opportunity minded for sure will approach you and that's good but you can just as easily think about how you might be able to help that group manager or leader and then take the initiative and go knock on their door four to leverage your experience as an informal group manager to develop yourself and your career, remember to reflect and unpack your experiences. Intentionally consider what you've done right, where you can improve, etc. 5 finally, since as ERG group leaders, you are again in effect informal group managers, you can benefit by also learning some basic management engagement practices using books on people management like BEVS as the basis for your own self-development program. There's a quote by Albert Einstein that says, any fool can know, the point is to understand. As ERG leaders, who are informal group managers, you are exposed to some of the most important dynamics of managing a group of people. This is great information to know, but it's when you pause to examine it and to unpack what you know and to reflect and connect all those dots for a fuller understanding that it becomes valuable to you and growth promoting. So. My summary of Bev's advice to formal managers for you is this, open up to others in your group, seek to give and learn, be inquisitive, go beyond just knowing and start understanding and leveraging all that experience and knowledge. Thank you for tuning in to ERG Power Talk. If you enjoyed and got value out of this program, please like us and leave a favorable review at your podcast provider's site. Also, invite others to listen to the show. By the way, contact me if you're looking for an ERG symposium keynote or a leader for your strategy workshop new chair onboarding, and or ERG bootcamp. I can run these for you either in person or in a virtual setting. Also, for more great ideas and tips for your ERGs, get my book, Supercharger ERGs, 18 Tips to Power Up Your ERG Strategy on Amazon.com. I'm Joe Santana, and thanks again for tuning in.